Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 12.80, the zone. Well, the Utah Jazz do it again. They win in Dallas. Did this differently. Got up by 21 at half, withstood some runs. You know, I saw some people on social media saying, oh, the Jazz blew a 21-point halftime lead. No, they gave up a lot of it and never gave up all of it. Dallas never tied the game up, never took the lead. They chopped in the lead and had Jazz fans a little worried, but both times Jazz went on a run and pushed back, and they end up getting the victory. So let's get right to it. Here's the best of the postgame show as the Jazz win their third straight. Your Jazz recap here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. The Jazz have now won three consecutive games. Jake Scott with you. They beat the Mavericks last night, 123 to 119. A game that uh, really, it got close a little bit in the third quarter where Dallas pulled within four, and then they pulled, obviously, within four toward the clo- the the end of the game. But the Jazz had a 20-point lead at one point, played very well at times, uh, but came away with a win over the Luka Doncic-less Dallas Mavericks. Uh, they were led by Jordan Clarkson who had 25 points coming in off the bench. Donovan Mitchell and Bogdanovich had 23 apiece. Uh, Rudy was 17 points and 16 boards. He had a fantastic night. Emmanuel Moutier uh, getting 15 minutes. Uh, Mike Conley did not play last night. Emmanuel Moutier stepped right in, played very well. 12 points on 5 of 8 shooting to go along with 3 rebounds and 2 assists. Let's get you some post-game sound. Let's start with David Locke's walk-off interview with... Emmanuel Moutier. All right, Emmanuel Moutier is on the line. Emmanuel, uh, we told your life story, kind of a, a lot of the, the broadcast tonight. How sweet is it for you to come back home and be able to have a night like tonight? Uh, it's definitely fun uh, being back home, especially. <laughs> it's definitely fun being back home, you know, in front of families and friends, you know. Uh, everybody's pretty excited. Uh, Coach told me I was going to play, so I was pretty excited oh, to play. Me. Appreciate you. So I was ready to play, you know, all the glory to God, so thank you. You've been really professional about kind of going playing as well as you did and then coming out of the lineup. Mm-hmm. How have you been able to handle it? Uh, it's cool. You know, I'm just paying attention to everything, like the details and everything. So coaches keep me in tune. Kind of been like a little coach on the sideline, to be honest with you. So it's been fun getting to learn the other side of it. But uh, I'm just trying to grow as a player. I knew coming here, you know, uh, my minutes probably was going to be what I wanted to be. But I just wanted to grow as a player. That's the most important thing. How much better are you as a player? I think I'm growing. Uh, you know, sky's the limit. Just got to keep working. And is your mom as incredible as it sounds in the life story? Man, she's more than incredible. She She's a warrior. With everything she sacrificed for me and my brothers, I uh, wouldn't be here without her. So definitely... I'm, I'm that product. <laughs> That's really neat. Manuel, I hope to talk to you about it some more sometime. Thank you. There's Manuel Moutier. Great attitude. Terrific walk-off interview from him. Uh, glad to see him take advantage of an opportunity last night, 12 points in 15 minutes. Let's now let you hear from Jazz assistant coach Alex Jensen, who is doing media obligations for Quinn Snyder, who lost his voice. From your team that allowed you guys to withstand those runs. Well, they... they they missed some some shots in the first half, but I think that we did a great job defensively rotating. We were cross-matched a lot, but we knew personnel and did a really good job of what well, we scored, so it was easier to get back. Then in the second half, we missed some shots, and we lost our focus on defense, but then we picked our bench, did a really good job in the second half picking that up. Yeah, talking about your bench, I mean, Jordan Clarkson again with another monster night. Emmanuel Moutier comes in without playing for a while. What can be said about your bench production tonight? Oh, it's huge. That was we because we had the second half. That's what kept us in the game, kept our lead was, like you said, Jordan Jordan Clarkson, he's been good, but Emmanuel, I mean, for not playing for the last little stretch, you can't say enough about him. And then Tony Bradley, those tip-outs were huge. Those are those are hard to recover from. 
How hard is it to, you know, when you're a manual, you're in the rotation for so long, you get taken out of the rotation abruptly, and how hard is it to stay ready and be ready to come back and play when, when you like, like you played tonight? It's, you know, it's it's really hard because you, you, you get a rhythm, but, you know, I think what's helped him, he's been great on the bench, even though he's but hasn't been playing. He's been great on the bench. He's been involved, supporting his teammates, and, you know, he's... I mean, that's a, a big game like this. You can't say enough about he was great coming in and just ready to play like he hadn't missed a step, which is really hard to do. If you repeat anything, uh, what happened in that third quarter? What did you see? What was the downfall there? I, I think we, we knew they were going to make a run, and we just, I think, lost our focus because defensively we did a really good job in the first half defensively, and that led to a lot of baskets on offense. And then we just got stagnant, and we didn't move the ball and drive it like we did in the first half. We knew they were going to make a run, but I think our bench did a great job picking it back up for us there at the end of the third. Talk about your bigs. You guys had, a, you know, I guess a 34 to 19, you know, rebound advantage. Talk about, you know, your bigs and how important this was. You know, I'd say our bigs are really good because I know Dallas is a really good offensive rebounding team, but I'd, I'd give credit to our smalls. I think they ended up with two second chance points for the whole game. So it was kind of a team effort. And it's not just, you know, the bigs are in there, but our guards have to get in there and get hits and get the long rebounds because they shoot so many threes. So I think it was a good, really good team effort. And to, like as Tony offensively on the offensive rebounds was huge for us. That was Alex Jensen, Jazz assistant coach. Uh, we heard uh, Quinn Snyder's voice after the Houston game. Not a surprise that he took a night off from talking to the media. Finally, let's wrap things up with Donovan Mitchell at first half and in that third quarter Dallas comes back on a run in the fourth quarter as well what did you guys see at that time and how are you able to respond you know uh, we've been on the wrong end of those where they come back and take the lead and you know we, we the bench held it down you know JC's been playing out of his mind um, Manuel coming in back home doing his thing uh, Tony playing really incredibly well George Joe like that unit really took over you know I came out and had a few bad possessions and then you know that for them to come back push it what was it back to 16 17 like that's that's huge that's what we need and you know they they're always there, you know. They're always there. The biggest thing is we had no, no. We weren't like scared, you know. We weren't like nervous, like oh here we go again. It was like how do we fix it? How do we continue to push forward? Yeah, Don. Well, you look at uh, Emmanuel. You know, it's it's really one thing to say that a guy can be ready, but to also be focused and do what he's, he did tonight. Yeah, you know, I guess it was his home cooking, you know. <laughs> but um, no, he's he's always been that 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 vet, you know, continuously, you know, being ready, you know, not even just on the offensive end, but the defensive end, pushing the pace, communicating, talking. Um, that's he's grown so much since he's been here, man. And um, it's it's weird to say. I think we're like the same age, but he's like he's older, you know. What I mean, so I think it's it's pretty cool to see him in his progression. What were some of the things that you saw go wrong maybe defensively in that third quarter when you guys came out? It's just easy for them. You know, stay in front of the ball, they fouled, you know, let them back in at the line, you know, free points. And I think that's really, when you see a few free throws go in, things start to go, uh, you start to build a little more confidence. You know, Tim Hardaway got it going. Uh, Chris Tapp saw a few go in. But, you know, we, we continue to push, you know. Obviously, you know, on second ever back-to-back, you can kind of just say, all right, you know, we, we try, but we continue to go out there and fight. The rebounding always is a big thing for you guys, but tonight it even seemed to be bigger. Uh, how much was that a concerted effort? Um, I remember the first game we played, they, they they got us on a bunch of rebounds, you know, so continuing to box out. We did a great job of it against Houston uh, last game, so I think that really carried over. And, you know, we really put a real uh, a heavy focus 
focus onto it and the fact that we, you know, not just going up to get the boards, but the kind of look and get box outs, you know, be able to hit bodies and then run in transition. Talk about Jordan and uh, Manuel and just how clutch they were, you know, and, and the chemistry yeah. that they have together. They, 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 yeah, they, um, they bond really well. It's not even just on the floor, it's off the floor, but I think the biggest thing is just how they communicate, you know, continuously going out there. You know, you see the points for, for JC, but you don't see, you really know, that there was seven, eight assists, you know, like making great passes out of this, making right, great decisions, you know, and I think that's one thing I didn't know about this game before coming here. I knew it was a scorer, obviously we all did, but, you know, continuously being able to do that and then also guarding on the other end, you know, he's, like I said, him and Emmanuel have done a lot, you know, and have him big time and that's going to come, uh, that's going to that's gonna be really good, big for us in the playoffs. In that first half, it felt like kind of everyone was contributing, everyone was moving and no one was really off, you know, and has it been a while since you felt like this? Yeah, you know, I think it's, it's, it's been a while. It's been, it's been a interesting two and a half, two weeks or whatever it was, but you know that's what that's what good teams do. They, you know you kind of have a little rough stretch, but we go back and bounce back and you know continue to play unselfishly like we did uh, tonight. You may have been asked this already, so apologies if you have. But talk about the open communication you guys have when Dallas is making that run late in the game and you guys stick together. I think the biggest thing is we've had that time in the year. You know where you know we get down. You know and we kind of just split apart. You know we had that already, so we understood that we can go one of two ways. We can either go back to that or move forward and, and we did that tonight you know when you have guys like Joe um, Mike you know Emmanuel Ed, like all those dudes communicate on the bench being able to say like look like we've been here before let's just fix it you know it's not a big deal it's not the end of the world that they came back you know to your good te- they're good teams they're going to make shots but we just got to be able to focus and stay locked in that was Donovan Mitchell at 23 points 8 of 12 shooting 4 rebounds 2 assists he did have 9 turnovers which obviously is a little much but the Jazz come away with win over the Mavericks 123 to 119 the Jazz have one final game before the All-Star break. They'll take on the Miami Heat tomorrow night at Vivint Smart Home Arena. Game tips off at 7 o'clock. Pre-game coverage begins at 6. There's the best of the post-game show. When we come back, oh man, it's been 30 years and he wants a break. Should he get it? We'll get to that. Kyle Whittingham's coming up later this hour. Stay with us. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. All right, PK. Yeah. I thought we were done with this topic. No. Let's go. The greatest sports radio topics. Let me hear about your favorite sports movies. You'd fans, where are you? How are you hanging on? <laughs> what else? Pete Rose. There's what else. What do you think about Pete Rose? This topic has been beaten into the ground a million times by a million talk show hosts across the country. You know what we're going to do? We're going to make it a million and one. And who do we have to thank for that? Yeah, I think you have the Astros cheating scandal. The Houston Astros, the Boston Red Sox, and Pete himself. Things have changed. Things have changed. Have they? Yes, (laughs) yes. There's now, this has been the most public acknowledgement of cheating. Or we're finally admitting how it's been all along. I don't think that electronically was available all along. I agree with that. I think it's, this is new school cheating. And how different is it than PEDs 20 years ago? 
And how different is that than uh, Gaylord Perry? And he sharpens his belt buckle and has petroleum jelly between his uh, or behind his ear. And uh, Joe Necro's got sandpaper in his pocket. That was, <laughs> that was acceptable forms of cheating. The reality is, if you got away with it, good on you. Here, it it changed. And I also think too, Pete for years and years didn't come clean, which hurt him. And now he's clean terms of acknowledging it so and time and time has gone by too there's been and he's in his 70s how old is he he's got to be 75 now too right sounds about right but i defer to you because you're better at that stuff than me i mean i I can look it up for you if you want it's 78 he's He's, 78 years old he's 78 and he's gonna turn 79 april 14th so he's obviously running out of time he's not in his 50s and even in sixties, you can expect you know fifteen twenty years, but he doesn't have that going forward. Uh, new commissioner too, so I think there's a whole bunch of change, and it's spurred on obviously by the sentiment of wait a second, the Astros literally cheated beyond what is acceptable. Pete gambled beyond what is acceptable, so there's some form of principle there, and I think that they can come to a compromise. Well, I'd be up for a compromise because I think the part he really wants, I don't think he wants a job. And I've always gotten why baseball doesn't want to give him a job because people look at him sitting in the day out thinking, did you bet against your team? Well, he says no. I know. And I don't think but there was any think... research that showed or any evidence that showed that he did. But I, Not and that I, that's I'm with, right. I'm with you on all that, but I still think the baseball worries that fans will be sitting there thinking that. But it, I think... What he wants is to be in the Hall of Fame. And I don't see the harm with him being in the Hall of Fame. And honestly, there's a part of me as an American <laughs> that makes it just seem weird. We mock other countries and other governments when they paint people out of history. There's plenty of examples. When I was in uh, school, we did this class and it showed how in the Soviet Union some political leader would fall out of favor and he'd be standing on the steps at this historic moment or whatever. And they'd go back and paint him out. And it's just, well, that's ridiculous. Somebody's in history. Well, Pete's in history. He's got over 4,000 hits. Is it 44191? Is I that the number? I think it's 42-something. Okay. He's got the most hits in baseball history. So how do you walk into the Baseball Hall of Fame and not see him? That, that part of it, to me, never made sense. The part about him not managing or being a GM, that, to me, made total sense. But yeah. the way the rules are set up, it's all or nothing. So to your point about a compromise, if that's the compromise you're angling for, I can sign off on that one. See, I think there's a compromise within that compromise, too. It doesn't have to be at 79 years old, turning 79 here at the start of the season. He most likely isn't going to be a manager or a general manager, and he hasn't done any of that stuff for years and years, particularly the managing. I don't know if he's ever done general managing. But I think you can also have him there as part of, you know, when you go to spring training, the players, ex-players like to go and do their thing, right? So I think there's that. Uh, the Reds could have him just be an ombudsman, bring him out on the field, do any of that stuff that he could do. And he, do you let him do that? So obviously he's not going to be uh, bringing out the lineup and being <laughs> the manager of fill-in-the-blank club, but the Reds... The Reds have made some moves with an attempt to be competitive this year, and so I think people in Cincinnati will be excited about that. But they could, they could do that. Would you allow him to be back in the game? He's not going to be back in the game to the level he was when he was expelled from the game, but can should he be allowed back in the game on sort of a, a PR status 
that puts him in the stadium and they put him on the screen and, you know, whatever. I and mean, the Diamondbacks, Luis Gonzalez had that little nubber that they won on the flare that won the World Series, right? Well, they trot him out all the time. We like to call it doing the Don Coriel. Yeah. yeah, only he's much younger. And so he's on their broadcast when the guys need time off. Uh, he'll. I was walking through a couple years ago. My wife loved Gonzo. And my sister got us seats in one of the club areas, right? So you're in the suite area. And we walk through. And there's Gonzo signing autographs. So there's a whole bunch of stuff that you can do as an ambassador to the game. And they bring Randy Johnson back because he lives in the Valley. That kid. And obviously he, although he was a butt face. uh, (laughs) We all remember him in New York on the sidewalk. Yeah. Get out of my face. Yeah. Get that camera out of my face. And so like Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, you realize, wait a second, no one's asking me for my opinion anymore, so I'm going to go to them. So they have Randy Johnson. He'll do an occasion, a bobblehead or whatnot, and then he'll go up in the broadcast booth and do a couple of innings and tell some stories and all sorts of stuff and i think he's been gone down well he's since they obviously train in the the same town where they play but i think he's gone over there and you know mentored some younger guys what have you and, you know any anybody who's six ten who knew can throw throw 101 with a slider 98 he mentors which of course is no one you weren't following along there. It really wasn't. Uh, I know you weren't. I can tell. The computer is like the worst thing for you because that's always squirrel. The best butterfly. Anything you don't realize, and I've had so many people tell me, "Why do I hear all that typing when you guys are doing the show?" Because <laughs> it's him who does all the typing and can't sit still for two seconds. Guilty. <laughs> so, can Pete Rose be allowed to do that? So it's not just my Hall opinion of fame or, or baseball. Nothing. My opinion or baseball opinion. I'm asking you. My opinion, no. Which I actually I think will largely be baseball's opinion. I think the thing they'll crack on if they crack will be the Hall of Fame. Okay, does he but have the a more, ceremony? The more they bring him around, the more because I think part of this is punishing Pete Rose because they're mad at him. But I think largely, well, he lied. largely the people who are mad at him, people who interacted with him in that time when the fans were still rallying around him they're largely you know Faye Vincent isn't commissioner anymore right Bart Giamatti passed away I I think that generation of people has turned over but I think the current generation even though they didn't have to go through that they still look and think he is a warning shot across the bow of any other player who will do this and if we back off on him it makes it easier for other players to do so I'd be surprised if he suddenly uh, you know, in a Sandy Koufax mentoring role. And Koufax always comes back and talks to Dodger pitchers who, you know, no, not at this point, not only were they not born when he pitched, some of their dads weren't born when he pitched. Yeah, I don't think that matters, though. Really? Yeah, I think, I, I think baseball players have a sense of history because baseball, of all the sports, is the most historical sport. It's the oldest and the numbers matter. If, Help you tell the story. If Mike Schmidt shows up in Clearwater, Florida, Phillies players know who Mike Schmidt is. Yeah, because the th- the thing about baseball is it's generational. 
And so it binds generations together. We see it every year in the World Series that players or fans think of their father and their grandfather. So I think George Brett is constantly around the Royals. And even though he hasn't played for a number of years, I think everybody who plays for the Royals knows about George Brett. So I don't think it's a bunch of old fogies who are dying off. I think the sentiment is still the same. I mean, you asked, you just ask players, and the, like it's, it's out there. It's the rules. You knew the rules. You violated the rules, and then you compounded it by lying and lying upon lying for years and years when the evidence was so overwhelming, and they had trained professionals researching this who knew what they were doing, and they didn't just come to this conclusion. You know, it's it's the same thing. Why? Clemens and Bonds and these guys are not getting in. So you can say, yeah, well, what about the steroids? Ooh, well, they're not getting in. They're paying the price. So that that's interesting because <laughs> when the Hall of Fame uh, balloting happened, we were going through the numbers and like, well, those two guys especially, they're at about 60%. They've been inching up. On the 10th year, are people going to go, all right, you can get in. I just want to make you wait as long as possible. And they're close enough. We've seen other guys who are at 60%, and they get near the end, and they get in. So is it going to happen to these two? And so even if Rose doesn't get in right now over the Astros, does this whole thing come back around in two years if Clemens and or Bonds get in? No. I think Rose, is, it's now or never, because with Rose, it's never going to change. They're, I don't think the sentiment for accepting gambling, the thing about... Bonds and Clemens is their Hall of Fame players, irregardless of the uh, steroids. And so they're recognized as that. And I think probably A-Rod is too. But the rest of them, no, you're not. Rafael Palmeiro So you're not, not getting in. Yeah, Sammy Sosa is not. You're not and McGuire. And you're not getting in. So we can wait 100 years, and it's not going to soften the blow. But Bonds and Clemens and A-Rod – and A-Rod hasn't been up there yet, but those other two have. We recognize you with your Cy Youngs and all the stuff that you did for the case of Bonds. You were a phenomenal player from the day you entered the big leagues. So you'll get in, and I think what you're saying there is right. We'll wait it out just to prove a point. But the other guys, I don't think they're getting in. So you can say Gaylord Perry and the steroids, but they're all paying the price. They're, they're, they certainly are paying the price when it comes to the Hall of Fame. And that's, that's the point of why they did that, to put themselves in better position to be in the Hall of Fame. That's the essence of why you use steroids, to make yourself a better player. And the idea of being a better player than the ultimate end game to being a better player is to get in the Hall of Fame. Even if you weren't thinking about it, that's where the conclusion, yeah, that's Cle- where the story ends. I don't think Clemens was thinking about it. I think Clemens just didn't want it to end. Well, that, but that's where it does Boston, end. He was almost out of the majors, and he just wanted to keep playing. That's where it does end. Bonds may be kind of first cousin to that. Bonds just re- wanted to be recognized as the best player in the game. He knew he was, and he knew that the other guys were doing, and he couldn't believe everybody's looking the other way. Was, well, and the best the player way. gets you in the game, yeah. in the hall, I mean. It does. Yes. So that whether they recognized it or not, that was the conclusion. That is the end of your playing career, is your induction into the Hall of Fame. That's the final acclaim. There's nothing more. You've already received every other award. Nobody gets an award after they get in the Hall of Fame. There's nothing left. You've received everything. 
relative to the game. So here, you know, do you let Rose in in that way? I, I don't think they're going to let him in. I think he's going to stay. He can petition all he wants, but I don't think that it's going to happen. The door will be slammed. Well, it has been. It'll it will just remain open. shut. It will remain shut. Yeah. Locked. Deadbolted. I think they should put him in. Now, this is they don't have any rules for this, but if it were me, put him in, and you have that plaque. I've been in the Baseball Hall of Fame probably three times, and you, so you have your story, and you have it there, and his story is is what it is. It's on the plaque, and he is he didn't get one hit through cheating. I don't think. Maybe he did, but I don't think so. Certainly, he got no hits through cheating that anybody else didn't have through cheating too. So his credentials as the most hits in the game and the objective. Every time you get up, 4, 000, is to get a hit. 4,256 hits. Yeah. Because I looked it up. That's what I was distracted by. And he cheated. Or he gambled. He gambled on the game. And in, none of those hits came. I, maybe he was gambling as a player. I don't know. It wouldn't surprise me because that's I've been around gamblers. And, Whenever he got the bug, then from there on. And once yeah. you get to that level, by definition, you're a liar. Because <laughs> I can tell you so many stories of gamblers and how they don't tell you the truth about the gambling situation. But I don't think that's reflective of the hits that he got. So I would put him in, but I wouldn't give him his day in the sun in that field that we see in Cooperstown. So you put the plaque in, but he doesn't get the ceremony and the speech. Right. Huh? Okay. That's interesting. Uh, Brian says, absolutely, he gets in. The Astros debacle really opens the door for his reinstatement. And Mark says, let him in. His accomplishment on the field speaks for itself. He deserves to be recognized as a Hall of Fame player, but definitely not as a coach or manager. That's not happening. That ship has sailed. I believe so. I believe that's a that's a one hundred percent accurate statement. Yes, Derek says he's an easy and put him in the HOF for what he did as a player. I'd put him in with his plaque, but I think part of the deal is standing up there and going through all your people you want to thank, reflecting, and some of you get choked up. Yep, and uh, particularly if you've lost a parent or whatnot, and you start recalling those people and. That don't don't give him that moment, because that's just as good as the plaque itself and being in there, because everybody recognizes you, and he's kind of a rambler anyway, so I wouldn't trust him to get up there. <laughs> so I wouldn't do that. I'd let him in, but Brand- not without the speech. Brandon would let him in. Sports is full of second chances. This should have already happened. Yeah, if only he would have just said, I did it, I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, Roy's with you. No, he agreed to this punishment. If he would have swallowed his pride years ago and admitted his deeds, he would have been reinstated by now. He's prideful and decided to try to lie his way through this. Peach should stay out. Yeah, I think a lot of people the think people that People are still split. All right, you can hit up our Facebook page, DJ and PK. Comment away. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Coming up next, Utah football coach Kyle Whittingham with DJ and PK. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. 
from Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo. Wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. We are joined now by Utah football coach Kyle Whittingham. Kyle, good morning. Good morning, guys. How are we doing? Good. So, the signing days, plural, in the New World Order, are in the rearview mirror. I'm curious, uh, now that it's all said and done, how many scholarships do you feel like you have to hold? Because it feels like with transfers that recruiting is 365 days a year, and you got to have something available if somebody comes available and is interested in you. Well, we filled up all our allotment for this class, and uh, you get 25 initials per year. And then you uh, have to remain under 85 overall. You know, it can never be over 85 at any one given time. And so, uh, you know, it's concluded for this cycle. However, you know, in the summertime or after spring ball, when when uh, guys enter the portal, there is uh, you know ways to to uh, get those scholarships uh, you know pushed forward to the next class. You know, there's some limitations on what you can do uh, recruiting wise to make that happen. But but uh, for this current cycle, we're done, and uh, we'll see what transpires in the summer and and uh, if we uh, need to get uh, you know somebody in we'll try to find a way but but uh, for right now we feel pretty good about the guys we got recruiting to me is an always an interesting phenomenon and I've learned from you over the years of the level of importance of it and it's funny because you know I follow the Sun Devils with Herm Edwards and he was out of it for many many years and uh, so last week when it was the recruiting day I saw a quote from him he said you know he didn't realize to the level that you have to do and the quote was it's all you do it's your whole life and he's speaking about <laughs> recruiting and I'm yep. thinking well that's something that Kyle Whittingham learned 30 years ago and he's been living it and so now you're done with one cycle but you actually probably overlap as you were recruiting this particular cycle looking at guys for next year and probably the year after and maybe even the year after that it really is a full time job Exactly, and you're exactly right as far as the overlap. We we were 90% finished uh, in December with our signees. We had uh, you know the vast majority of guys signed in December, and we we pretty much already knew who were the you know the last three or four guys uh, are the were that we were going to finish off with in in uh, February. And so that being the case, the month of January was really geared more towards uh, you know getting the 21 class evaluated and going out and and evaluating those guys and, and really you know what used to transpire in spring now is is transpiring in January. We're getting a head start on it because of, of the two signing days, just like you mentioned. And and uh, I think if you look at the, the numbers when they're all compiled, uh, you know, since the early signing day has been in effect, the percentage of early signees has gone up each each year. Uh, I'm, pretty, I'm pretty certain of that. And, and uh, I think it'll get to the point where maybe there won't be a second signing day. You know, I think it, it may be heading in that direction. So there's the old cliche about rebuilding and reloading and, you know, the USC's and Ohio State's and Alabama's of the world are supposed to just reload. Uh, but I don't think youth fans have really thought that the youths were at that point. Now, you're in a Power 5 league, you're coming off an 11-win season, you're kind of in a different place than you've ever been before, and you've got to replace the whole secondary. Speaking just of the secondary, how much do you have to rebuild there and how much can you reload and be pretty good in the secondary again next year? Well, we got to replace the whole second 
there, just yeah. like you said. I don't know there any other way to put it. We uh, you know we lost all all five of them. We play the four two five nickel uh, package the vast majority of the time, and and with uh, Jalen coming out early, which we knew that was no surprise. That was the plan when he when he arrived on campus. So that was something that we anticipated. But Javelin Gidry uh, was something we didn't anticipate coming out early. And so when he made that declaration, and you combine that with uh, you know uh, Terrell Burgess and Julian Blackman and and then Tariq Lewis and Josh Nurse who were on the other side uh, opposite Jalen, then you really we lost I would say 99% of the snaps that that were taken uh, this last fall graduated or left the program. So it is a complete rebuild, and it's not just there. You know we have uh, those three D linemen. We got eight uh, eight defenders going to the combine, which is incredible. I mean we got nine overall uh, total with Zach Moss added to that, but but all three of those senior defensive linemen are invited to the combine. Uh, John Penasini, Lecky, and Brad, Francis Bernard at linebacker, and then the entire secondary. And so uh, it's uh, you know it's a, it is a, a challenge for us. The, the good news is we got a lot of good young talent in the program. It's just inexperienced. You know we got guys that that have uh, very little or no experience, but uh, a lot of talent. And the guys that are coming in that aren't here yet, we got a lot of good you know good players that transferred in at mid year, but we got a bunch more that will be here in the summer. So it's going to be defensively uh, challenging. Now the opposite side, you know, offensively we didn't lose much as far as quantity, but we lost some real key positions when you lose your quarterback and and tailback the, the caliber of Zach Moss and your left tackle, which is you know the most important spot up front. But but uh, you know, so we got a lot of returners there, but but those three guys were pretty key. So so we'll see what happens, but uh, it's really going to be a matter of how quickly these young guys can come in and and uh, you know hit the ground running and and uh, contribute because that's going to be a, a huge factor, particularly on defense. And this recruiting class reflected that we took uh, 16 players on defense and only nine on offense because we had to get the numbers balanced with the uh, the hit we took on defense. So I think last year's spring ball might have been the least intriguing because outside of a maybe a linebacker and some offensive line, you pretty much had everybody set. And so you got out there and there wasn't a lot of question marks. And, you know, you, you talked about that and it's why you were picked first and all that stuff. Whereas this year, you got a whole bunch of open positions. I don't know necessarily the question marks, but they're open. So my thought for you is how much has that increased the level of importance of this spring ball versus last spring ball? much more important and, and that'll carry into fall because uh, like I said a lot of the guys that we sign that we think are ready to contribute uh, and are going to need to be ready to contribute won't be here until summer so the intensity of spring ball the amount of uh, of live work will go way up because we got just so many guys that don't uh, don't have any uh, game experience and so it'll be a different feel around spring ball it'll be a different feel in fall camp because rather than having a, a real veteran team like we had last year you know just like we've been talking about it it's a lot of guys that uh, you know are unknown and, and need the uh, you know that live experience and and uh, getting them ready as quickly as we can to compete on September third. Is the offensive line poised to take a big step forward? You got to get a new left tackle, but those last couple games it seemed like they really had issues. And I think you go back and look at maybe you know getting stopped at the one yard line. I think it was at Arizona at halftime. Are they going to be better in those short yardage situations at a time when you really need them? 
be. Yeah, we have to be. And, and we did play pretty good throughout the course of the season. We obviously didn't finish very well up front. We didn't finish very well in a lot of spots, you know, at the end of the last two games of the year. But but uh, the talent level and the guys that we got line, you know, in line to play there, uh, you know, from this year and beyond, we feel great about. Uh, but, you know, we do have to take a step forward. And, and uh, you know, we think that uh, we got the young guys in the program they are going to do just that. And when you look at last year's offensive numbers, that's what you do this time of year is you pour over the the uh, stats and, and what you did well, what you didn't do so well. And offensively, the huge glaring issue was fourth downs, and particularly fourth and short. And uh, that's something that has got to get better, and we understand that. And that was really the only, when you look at the offensive numbers and what we did, that was the only glaring negative was was those fourth downs. And so that's something we got to get corrected, and, and it does start up front, particularly the fourth and, and uh, you know, very short, which is, you know, one or two yards. And so that's something that uh, will be a point of emphasis. What can you tell us about the ability of Jake Bentley? And also, can I assume that the competition at quarterback is going to run through August? Yeah, I'm sure it will. And, uh, you know, first of all, Jake is... He's only been here uh, a month, but he's, he the way he carries himself and, and how he acts, and and uh, it's all exactly what you want in a quarterback. I mean, he's all business. He's uh, he's a, a leader, uh, you know, constantly in the film room, and so everything to this point has been very positive. And yes, that competition should be intense uh, this spring, and will most likely carry into the fall. Uh, you know, if there's a huge separation in spring, if that you know I don't see that happening, but if there is, then uh, we could make that decision sooner. But uh, my guess is that uh, it will be sometime in, in fall camp before we make that decision. Well, Kyle, we appreciate a few minutes. Thanks for joining us, and we look forward to the start of spring ball. Okay, guys, March 2nd. We'll be there. So will we. <laughs> All right, take care. Kyle Whittingham, Utah football coach, but it goes through August. The battle goes through August. Well, the the quarterback battle? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, obviously he, that's he had no the most problem. intriguing. He had no problem agreeing with you. Well, well you know, in, in Bronco, every coach wants to do it different. Bronco wanted the starter established so that they were the leader when the players were on their own after spring ball before the start of fall camp. But Kyle's had battles going to fall camp before. He didn't seem to value that. This... I don't think, uh, yeah, I get what you're saying. Historically, you're right. You're absolutely right. There's no question about that. But I think in this situation, it's the only way to do it because you're only going to get 15 practices and you got two new guys. Now, Bentley's not new in terms of playing. Rising hasn't played, right, because he redshirted uh, his freshman year at Texas and then he had to sit out last year, so he didn't get the waiver. So he literally hasn't been on the field since his high school year, uh, senior year. So that leads me to believe that going into it, just going into it, Bentley would have a leg up during because of the fact that I think he's the what was it? Is it thirty five games he started or fifty five something like that? Not fifty five, so, thir- thirty five, I think. Okay, I'll look it up for you. But, but yeah. he has the ex- starting experience. Uh, the point is right. Yeah, and he's a senior. Whereas Rising has zero. Now he's Rising was in the program for a year, so that gives him somewhat of a systematic knowledge of advantage. But Andy Ludwig, when he's at Vanderbilt, recruited. Bentley, so he knows about him. So it sets it up for an intriguing battle. They've got intriguing battles all over the place this year. They don't need a quarterback battle. They would have had enough stuff to keep our interest in spring ball and then in the training camp. But this year, with the quarterback, it just adds to it. And so you... I, I don't know what they're going to do. It's be interesting. In, in the past, the spring balls have been open, and you can go at your leisure, uh, depending. And even fans could go as long as it was outside. If it's in the 
Fieldhouse building there. They they close it off for uh, safety concerns. If they don't have it open, that tells me you know they don't want they just don't want anybody to get any information about it. So I'm interested to see what they do, and I want to see what happens at this position at quarterback. They both have the credentials, but you know, in case of rising, has zero experience. But talking to him at the end of last season after Bentley announced, he's like, okay, fine. I was going to have to compete for my job anyway, so really nothing is new. And I want to see how that's going to play out. They've got so many question marks. And after last year having so few, it makes it more interesting. So many question marks that you're going to pick them to go uh, seven and six like you like they went uh, three years ago. Way way too early for that. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> you know me. That doesn't matter. No, I I, I want to know. I, my instinct would say no, but I literally have not seen these guys. Now I've seen Rising throw because he was able to practice and whatnot, but I want to see him. He wasn't competing for the starting job. Even if he would have been eligible last year and got the waiver, it was still going to be Huntley's job. And I think that's a whole different animal. When you're competing for the starting job, everything is magnified. Now, they literally film everything they do from multiple angles at the practice field. Nothing is unfilmed. So you're on tape every single thing you do. If you're over there pouting on the sideline, they've got tape of it. So everything you do is on tape because they've got multiple angles where they tape you. They tape over at the practice field on the outside side one they tape you from the north side the south side and the east side uh, I don't think they they don't, they don't do it on the west side but they got you the other ways and so they're looking at everything that you do so I, I want to see I, I wouldn't mind discussing it more in depth in April but to, today is it's just a joke. What are we, February 10th here? Even uh, in April, there are going to be so many questions. Yeah, what yeah. is this secondary I agree. really going to look like? And no matter, we know we're not going to be allowed to watch scrimmages in the fall. Right. Which will be oh, they the didn't, m- they, they didn't let you watch anything <clears throat> last year in the fall. Right. Zippo. And those would be the most telling. So realistically, we're going to go out there to the BYU game with a gazillion questions. I guess the answers I'm most comfortable with, I expect the O-line will be better on those third and short and fourth and short plays. Fourth and short, the most glaring. Uh, Kyle really pointed at those. Oh, yeah. Uh, they they pretty, sucked for some reason. They did. And they pretty much get, which doesn't make any sense with no, Moss there. No, no, It really no. doesn't make any sense And, and Huntley with his ability to yeah, move. Yeah, you're right. Um, and left tackle, obviously, is really important. It's the quarterback's blind side if you got a right-handed quarterback. So th- there's issues there. I feel like we're always going to wonder about linebackers and wide receivers. Those positions have progressed, certainly, over the last couple of years. Uh, but the secondary, they have counted on the secondary. I guess if there's anything I still 100% believe in, it's the D-line. And they've lost a lot of talent on the D-line. Yeah, but they the D-line should be fine because they've got some guys. They rotate. Right. So if you're in the two deep, you're certainly getting enough action during ball games. So with Tupai and uh, who's the other guy? Uh, what's his name? Yak, help me out there. Uh, the other defensive lineman who played a lot last year. No, he's gone. No, the guy's he's coming back. Uh, it's a Polynesian kid. And if I look it up, I, I already named him. But the, the other guy, Tafua. Tafua. Thank you. That that's what it was. I was saying. I beat you by a tenth of a second. I, was saying, I actually. Came I wanted through. to say tofu, but I knew that's what it wasn't. It and both those, <laughs> both of those guys played extensively. So yes, I totally agree with you. They'll be fine there. Uh, 
And I think this Phillips kid is just going to replace Jalen Johnson. And Jalen was a star, and so I think they'll be okay there. So have they got and a safety inside the program, they, or is Nate Ritchie going to start as a freshman? I don't know that. that I don't either. That's something I've got to figure out. And obviously, and they Lloyd may have has a got real, the linebacker spot nailed down. Do you think they don't know, or do you think they have a really good idea? Oh, I think they have ideas. They won't say them. Because that's, I told you that story of Eric Rowe. After two days, like, dude, you're, you're running, you're playing here, and it's only two days. And he said, yeah, I had no idea. And then off to the side, I spoke to a coach. Oh, yeah, we had him. We knew he would be. That's why we brought him. And he's still in the NFL today. So, yes, they, I think they have ideas in their mind. Now, it could change based on performance on the field, but I think they certainly have ideas. But I haven't spoken to any of them because they've been all out on the road, and I don't want to bother them when they're recruiting. Well, no, that's what I'm saying. I'm not going to make anything close to a season prediction until after 15 spring practices where I get an opportunity to see for myself plus to get an opportunity to talk to guys on the record and off to the side. BYU, September 3rd. That's when they need answers. And then Montana stayed at home and at Wyoming. A couple of tune-ups in there. Yes. Some some could argue, I know what you fans are saying, we got three tune-ups. <laughs> <laughs> Remains to be seen. All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Coming up next, the Utah Jazz win again. Sweep a road back-to-back, make it a three-game win streak. Coming home to face Miami, PK and I get to it next. Stay with us.